What's going on, everyone? You're about to listen to another episode of the Lodges podcast. Sean Smith, the CEO and co-founder of GeoScore, joins us on the show today to speak about the platform and the role that it plays in providing a pipeline and structure to players. So if you are a young listener who is looking to hopefully play at the collegiate level or the professional level, this is an awesome opportunity for you to listen to everything that Sean and his team are doing to provide this opportunity and the tools that are out there, as well as if you are a team or organization and looking for new ways to recruit players and see where there may be some new talent, there's definitely some great information in here for you as well. Overall, it's an amazing episode. I think you guys will really enjoy everything that they are doing. So without further ado, you're listening to The Lodges Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Lodges podcast. I'm your host, Juan Rodriguez, the founder of Lodges Financial, a business management firm for video game streamers and esport athletes. This is episode 10. Um, we have another awesome guest with us here today that we'll introduce shortly in just a minute. I do want to remind any listeners, or if you're a new listener, that I do want this to be an interactive podcast. So, if you are listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, if you go leave a five-star written review, I definitely will read it out on the next episode. I want to hear any questions or thoughts that you as the listeners might have so that we can have that interactive aspect um, or even any questions you might have for our guests, and then we can relay those questions to our guests. So uh, please go leave a review with, with anything you want to add, and, and we'll definitely mention it on the next episodes. Um, so with us today, we have... Sean Smith, the CEO and co-founder of Harina Data and Gio. Um, we connected over LinkedIn. Uh, Sean was was another connection that that I found through the esports hashtag. We we hopped on a phone call about a month ago and just kind of connected a bit. And and through that we've we've built a relationship. Uh, so Sean, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Really excited to do this. Awesome. Me as well. So. Sean, how we always start the episodes with our guests is really just speaking about you and learning who you are and, and what your story is. So if you just want to take us back to, to the beginning, let us know where you're from, where you grew up, uh, and just hear your background story. Sure. So, um, I, you know, I was actually a Navy brat, so I was born in Japan, but uh, but moved over here to the States uh, with my mother while, while she was in the Navy. So I moved around a lot as a kid. Um, but ultimately... Uh, Settled here in, in Indianapolis, which is currently my home and, and where we founded our business, and uh, went to a school uh, called Earlham College, which is pretty small here in the Midwest, Richmond, uh, Indiana. So um, probably haven't heard of it, but uh, you know it was a good time. And uh, while I was there, I actually started in the gaming industry by working for a company called Advanced Media Networks, which uh, their original website was uh, GameCubeAdvanced.com. So that tells you how old I am in, in gamer years. <laughs> um, but we actually uh, grew it and it became popular enough that uh, we started working directly with the publishers, got to go to E3 a few times, uh, was flown out to do 
a few special events like the launch of the uh, the Godfather game. I don't know if you remember that, but you know it was basically Grand Theft Auto, but it was Godfather. Um, okay. So I, I was uh, you know in in the gaming industry at a at an early age, um, but really on the journalism side of things. And uh, when when I graduated from school, uh, I stayed in Indianapolis, didn't really find a, a gaming career. So I ended up going down the marketing and web development path, um, founded uh, IndieMojo.com, which is a social media network for Indianapolis. Uh, we took that over and, um, you know, we grew that for a while until the, uh, the the recession and Facebook ate the lunch of every social media network, not in Facebook. Um <laughs> uh, and then, uh, then I ended up finding, founding a, a pop culture convention called Indie PopCon, which was a, basically it was like, think of Comic Con, but we were the first show to treat YouTubers and Twitch streamers as celebrities and esports players. Um, and, and that really got me back into the gaming side as I started working with the gaming industry to um, book the Halo Championship Series and, and help produce that at our show. Uh, so we had, you know, we gave away a $50,000 cash prize to uh, to Halo Championship Series at uh, at PopCon. And that's when I fell in love with the esports industry. And uh, from there, you know, I started doing consultation, traveled around the, the country, actually building esports venues and uh, eventually landed on uh, on on Arena Data and what we're doing with Gio. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like you've got a deep experience in, in esports and in gaming. So that's great to hear. Um, so growing up, you know, throughout high school and all that was, was gaming one of the main things you did as a hobby in your free time or, or what kind of did that look like then? Oh yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm a hardcore gamer at heart. You know, I, I never got into movies, never really got into music, but, uh, you know, my first job was, uh, was a, uh, paper boy. Again, I'm dating myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so the first thing I bought with my first paycheck was a PlayStation and Final Fantasy VII, so um, that that really launched it for me. You know, uh, I fell in love from there and, and never let gaming go. Right. No, that's awesome. And then, so where did you go to college? Earlham College. Earlham. That's right. Okay. Okay. And what what did you study while you were there? Uh, computer science, and I minored in journalism. Okay. Interesting. Did you want to write then when it came to, to esports? Is that why you picked the journalism route or, or was that something else that just interested you? Yeah, I've always been interested in as a writer and I um, ended up being kind of the editor of the school newspaper. Um, so it just kind of naturally fit as a minor, especially with what I was doing uh, in journalism with uh, with the advanced media networks at the time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And then so so just to make sure I follow. So then right after college, um, what was the first position you moved into or, or what was that transition even like just post-college and into the real world? Yeah, I started working as a marketing uh, intern for a printing company. Um, so uh, really got some great experience just working on the the print side of things, you know, the, the, the digital marketing obviously would come later, but just getting that experience on what sort of the old style of marketing looked like really helped shape me as I began to sort of move into the digital marketing space with some of the other things I was doing. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Um, so you kind of, and so it sounds like you wanted to, to be in the gaming space then growing up and throughout college, that's kind of where you wanted to be in the professional space. Yeah. Originally I, I sort of dreamed of becoming a game developer, but, um, I was never a great coding engineer. 
Like I, I like to say I'm a great hacker. Like I can build websites and things like that. But when it comes to building really complex code, that's just not what I'm great at. Uh, right. So uh, that's why I started, you know, looking at the journalism side of gaming. Gotcha. Okay. And then to shift into esports specifically, when did you first get into to esports or or when did you get exposed to that? Oh, it's probably been five or six years ago now. Um, and that was when we were booking and uh, promoting esports as part of our indie popcon show. Um, you know, I, I've never personally played competitively and and so I don't really have that background. So I kind of come into the esports space with a little bit of an outsider's perspective, which I think, you know, helps in a lot of ways. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you ask a lot of people in esports, you know, to to name who I am, they probably don't know of me. Uh, and that's because <laughs> I'm I'm the guy behind the scenes. Right. You know, um, I, uh, I I do a lot of my work uh, in the shadows, so to speak. Right. No. And I mean, the space, every space needs that. So that's awesome that you get to contribute in, in that manner. Um, cool. So where we really, I think both of us want to spend the majority of this conversation and on this podcast episode is obviously speaking on Geo. It's an awesome platform. I'll let you just really, I won't touch on it too much. I'll just let you get into it for those that don't know, for our listeners, can you give us the origin story of how you helped co-found it and and kind of what it is? Yeah, so um, Gio was born because of some of the work we were doing in the esports venue development space, where we helped uh, build, for example, a, a movie theater. Uh, we turned it into a 50-seat gaming center, and we had a, a project where we converted an old casino into uh, a gaming facility. And each time we did that, we kept falling into this thing where people seemed obsessed with, all right, well, when are we going to get the, you know, the, the big tournaments, the big prizes? When are the celebrities going to come through the door? And, you know, it's it's like you're in Peoria, Illinois. You know, it's it's going to take time <laughs> to kind of build that thing up. And and even if you get them out there for one, um, you're, you're not going to be able to fill 365 days worth of content through this idea of these large esports tournaments. And this, this really, you know, we kind of opened our eyes that esports is completely top heavy right now. Um, and what year was this? Sorry to interrupt, just just for context. This was so we probably two, three years ago. Okay. okay. Um, and, uh, and and esports is just so top heavy right now, where it's almost like the industry has built this amazing roof, but they don't have a foundation. You know, there's no basement, there's no first floor, and. Right. Uh, uh, and it's it's all this money getting poured at the top teams, top players, top prizes, and the players that sort of have that dream of going pro uh, are often left behind, you know. Um, and so that's where we we began to really think, well, how do we serve them and help them understand what it takes to go pro? And, and that's where we developed Gyo. So Gyo is an, an esports data analytics platform where we invite players to join our platform. Uh, if they provide us their gamer tags for some of our supported games, we actually download their play history. And importantly, we do calculations on it to try to make it easier for them to understand what they have to do to go pro. And then we put that data out in front of teams, scouts, colleges, recruiters, who are specifically looking for people to, to join their team. 
because um, one of the the gaps right now in the esports space is just the idea of if I'm a team looking for players, well, where do I go? Where where do I see a bunch of people that are sticking their hand up in the air and waving and saying, "Pick me"? Um, right. You know, Yo Yo is partially that's one of our our big services because uh, if I'm a team and I try to just scout the top leaderboards of Overwatch, you know, I'm just looking at a bunch of gamer tags. I have no idea how old the people are or how, you know, invested they are. I don't know which accounts are Smurfs. There's a lot of trouble for teams just to find players. So on Yo, those teams come to us because they can get that demographic information. They can see a player that they like, but they're not quite good enough, but then they can follow them. So they'll get automated alerts about when that player is improving their play. So maybe they can come back to them later. And then we have the concept of the combines, which allows us to basically set up a tryout where we look to analyze the player on their individual capabilities and not on how they play as a team. Um, Because that's one of the struggles with the ELO system is it's extremely team-based. So if you are a solo player... You know, you get stuck in this ELO hell world of if you, you know, aren't quite the the great communicator or you have bad luck and get really bad pairings. If, you know, your teammates drop out in 20 percent of your matches and that counts for losses for you, all those things can compound to keep you down. And so with a combine, we hope that we can find players that we can lift up by showing that they've got true individual skill components that if you gave them a chance and coached them or or worked with them, then they could turn into great players. And that's really what we want to do is, you know, if I could say, you know, Gyo's mission statement, it's we're trying to find the diamonds in the rough. And we're trying to give those players that feel like they're good enough to have a shot, but have been sort of suppressed by uh, the lack of a real progression system in competitive esports. We feel like we can give them a shot. So that's what right. we want to do. No, that's amazing. And I think, too, when you were talking about teams scanning just leaderboards for usernames, and like you said, they could have Smurf accounts. I also think it's important to notice that, you know, when doing that, you really don't have any context or personal context of who that player is. And I know that on Gio, you guys probably have the opportunity for them to build a profile um, to explain a little bit more who they are so that, you know, when teams are coming through, there isn't just a username. and. Right. I think that's great that they can see the username, they can see the analytics, they can learn more about that individual. So so that's really cool. A, a question I have for you on the combine side, and we're going to chat on this for a bit, but one of the first questions I have is, what does is there a qualification that a potential player has to have, or what does a player have to do to participate in those combines? So we've actually got two uh, two kinds of combines. One is, is our online combines, and those are open to anybody, and, and really there's no qualification process. It's open to anybody that just wants to see, you know, how they do whenever they perform. Um, we actually just announced a, a physical New Orleans combine that's going to be April 3rd through the 5th of next year uh, in the New Orleans Convention Center. And that's going to be a physical combine where we're inviting players to come out, sit down, and get tested on some of their physical traits. And by physical... Um, you know, think, think like the, you know, the NFL combine where you got the athletes doing the 40 yard dash and the bench press. Well, we're going to have players come in and we're going to do hand eye coordination tests. 
peripheral vision skill training, um, mouse click speed, actions per minute speed. Like we're going to try and get real measurables that can relate to your general overall skill capabilities. So when I say mouse accuracy, that is something that's independent of any game. You know, if you're really strong on your mouse accuracy, chances are that's going to translate to Overwatch, CSGO, uh, Call of Duty, maybe a little bit of the MOBAs, but not as much. Um, so those kinds of skills, if we can find those players that have those raw capabilities, but maybe they're a little rough around the edges. They've been languishing around Diamond 1 because they just haven't been able to find teams that can lift them up. This would be the kind of stuff that a team could look at this player and say, you know what, this could be a project for us. You know, We can right. get him in on a rookie contract, get him to our farm team. Let's see what this kid's got. That's what we really hope to come out of these combines. Right. No, and I remember the first time we spoke and you were describing to me what the platform, the combine was like. You instantly just, or I instantly just thought, you know, NBA, NFL combine to where it is just all independent. What can the player do? How well can they perform? And so I just thought it was so interesting to see that now being utilized in the esports space to where a player can go and do things like that that you're talking about and possibly stand out possibly get recruited um a, a question i have is for the ones that get invited is that based off of their relevancy maybe within just being known in the esports space is that based off of analytics that are being provided to the geo platform or for those players to get invited wh what does it take for them to get there yeah the the invitation bar is going to be pretty low you know we, we really want to have players that demonstrate that they're serious about um, pursuing an, an esports path. So we're going to be looking for players that participate in our, in our online combines or other online events with some of our partners around the world. And uh, we're going to look for those that participate in physical events like DreamHack, uh, but maybe don't win at all, right? You know, we're, we're looking for those teams and those players that aren't already pros. We're looking for the ones that are just on the cusp Right. Uh, and, and they've been trying, they've got experience, they've played competitively, but they just can't quite find that secret formula of getting discovered. So we think that that's a, a pretty large group of players. You know, you, you look at DreamHack and they had 300 teams that, that sort of entered those LAN tournaments. You know, each one of those players we think could be great candidates for what we're doing. Right. No. Absolutely. That's and it's incredible that you'll be able to provide a combine like that so that players can compete in it. So I think that's really cool. What for for those again, just to give them a bit more context, what games does the Geo platform, you know, support and, and are there any others that you're looking to add in the future? Yeah, so we, we try to work directly with the publishers. So the games that we support are usually related to publisher support. Um so currently that includes League of Legends. Uh, Splitgate, Smite, Paladins, PUBG. I uh, know I'm forgetting one. Um, I'll, it'll, it'll come to me. But then we're also <laughs> doing, uh, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Overwolf extension, but it's a tool that allows you to record your own gameplay, in essence. Okay. So through that plugin, we're going to be able to support Apex Legends, Rocket League, Hearthstone, um, and, and 
probably a dozen other titles. So we're adding them just as fast as we possibly can. Uh, a lot of it comes down to publisher support. Gotcha, which makes sense. And so for the let's dive a little bit deeper for the players so that for the maybe, you know, any potential listeners or, or those that might introduce this to players that want to get involved. What is what does it look like on the player side when using the, the, the geo platform? What are some of the benefits? Um, what are some of the things that maybe they should pay attention to if if they want to go on there and take this seriously to possibly have the, the potential to to get picked up by a team? The biggest thing on our platform is whenever you create a player profile, uh, you really have to take advantage of actually filling out all the details okay. and not just, you know, putting, you know, a, a, a period in the about me section. Right. Because um, one of the things that I think players underestimate is when when scouts are recruiting, skill is only about 50 percent of the equation. Um, personality is a super strong 50% on there as well because they they want to avoid toxic players. They want players that are going to be able to engage with their fans. So they're looking for people that are, are going to have, you know, the personality traits of, of a winner as well as the skills of a winner. So you can do interviews, for example, on our platform uh, in order to, to sort of give the potential scout, the opportunity to learn more about you personally. And oftentimes that can be a big tiebreaker whenever uh, the, the scouts come around to start looking around for uh, for the players they're seeking. So there's uh, you can record an interview or, or are there questions you fill out or? Yeah, questions you fill out, kind of like okay. a quiz. Um, you can okay. also save highlight clips. So if you've got some really great clips that you've recorded on Twitch, uh, right. you can save those to your profile and and really build your yourself a, a nice scouting profile. Right, which, and I know I'm really active on Instagram, always looking at players from different games, and definitely if there should be the vast majority that have clips, so definitely utilize those there. But I, I did want to touch on the fact that, you know, you mentioned that it's not just all about skill, it is about personality and what kind of individual person you are. And, you know, that's something, I grew up playing basketball, and, you know, you hear it in pro sports, and that's just something that, always stands out. You hear a lot of, or I've heard a lot of coaches in, in the NBA, you know, that it's not all about the skill. It's, you know, does that player fit the culture? Um, are they, an, you know, a good person? Like you're saying, are they not toxic? Toxic. So I think that's cool that your platform touches on that. And it's not just about, you know, the stats and how well they're performing in the game. So that's a unique aspect, I think, to the platform. Um, switching to the team side, what are some of the benefits or what are the ways that, and I know you've touched on a few, but if you could just give a quick overall of, of how it can benefit them when they're looking for, for possible additions to add to their team. Well, you know, teams right now, especially at the pro level, um, they, they, they've kind of backed themselves into a corner because they, they never set up this recruiting pipeline for themselves. So it, whenever you see all these big signings out there, most of them tend to be players leaving one team to join another. So a lot of these teams are, are just kind of, you know, rotating these players. And every time they rotate the players, the salary goes up, right? And right. well, it should. The, the players achieve success and then their next contract is, is huge. And the, the teams are losing money because it's, it's difficult to make money in this economy and all of their players are under super max deals or really high deals. If they 
were to build a recruit pipeline, what that allows them to do is to start finding talent at earlier ages or uh, before they become big tournament players and sign them onto rookie deals. So now your salary cap becomes more manageable because you're dealing with uh, a crop of obviously, you know, your stud players, the high contract players, but then you've got this great crop of rookies that are coming up and they're going to be playing for less money until they prove themselves and earn their contracts. Um, so we, we really hope that teams take seriously this idea of they have to build a farm system. Like this, there's, there's not a single other sport in the world that basically says, all right, we need to go get a pro. Let's just Google around and find somebody that's really good on Twitch and won a tournament and we're just going to go sign them. Right. right. No, but, absolutely. There's internal mechanisms. There's, you know, triple A ball clubs, double A ball clubs. You know, there's the NBA European League and, and obviously, you know, collegiate leagues do a lot in sports. So, yeah, uh, if, if esports doesn't figure that out quickly, you're going to see a lot of teams go under just because they're going to collapse under the weight of their own contracts. Exactly. No. And without your like you're saying, without a structure or a pipeline that is being created to help that organization and to help, you know, teams have players that are coming up and are working their way up. I agree that teams are going to struggle. Um, and, you know, like you're saying, that really just compares to I think there's an area where it does compare to traditional pro sports. You know, like I know in the NBA, too, they have the G League and you can go to the G League and work your way up and, you yeah. know, you can come onto a 10 day contract and that whole sort of thing. So I think that a platform like this um, is super useful. You know, I think of the Fortnite World Cup where it was open to everybody and all of a sudden you had kids that you had never even heard of before or, you know, really weren't even right. streaming or relevant on social media. And, you know, they qualify for the World Cup or they played well in the World Cup. And maybe even if they didn't qualify, they were in the top 100 one week or, you know, that whole sort of thing where Fortnite just gave an opportunity to everybody. Um, there's great players out there. And like you're saying, finding that diamond in the rough or, or letting these players have an opportunity, I think, is what's most important. Um, yeah, that's actually a great, great illustration of my point is, you know, those kids, uh, many of them ended up signing to teams after that event. Right. So the teams signed them after they'd already won, which means that, you know, the contracts that they got were were a lot higher than they would have been if they had been working with those kids at a young age, developed them, entered them into that tournament and then they won. You know, exactly. if, if, if they'd min, made that minor investment, um, I, I think uh, Bugga was was signed by a team right uh, before he won that prize tournament. <laughs> and so yeah. the team actually saw that benefit of taking a relatively unknown, taking a risk on him, and it paid off in spades. If Tfue had won that tournament, and not to pick on Tfue, right. uh, but if Tfue had won that tournament, that's really not that big of a windfall for either FaZe or Tfue because right. FaZe had to invest so much money to get Tfue to where he was that that's more of a break-even proposition. But if you find that diamond in the rough and you got somebody on a, a contract that's you know only several thousand dollars a month instead of several hundred thousand dollars, and then they go and do that, that's the kind of stuff that makes or breaks teams. 
Yeah. No. And, and even to, to go further on that, it's, it's not like you're saying as much of a risk because now that team would have met that player earlier. The player would have met the team earlier. They could have begun to build that relationship and it almost would be more authentic. You could say in that, you know, a team started paying attention to a player. They got invested, they had talks and then the player got signed on compared to, you know, a player just performing super well in a tournament like Fortnite, and then that team wants them and there isn't that as it's not as authentic if that makes sense um i think something like this gives both the team and the player the opportunity to see the skill to see the individual personality um it just adds more context which which i think is important and then that could also lead to less confusion and less problems in contracts i mean i just think overall it's it's cool and it just helps the ecosystem so much well, um, it, it even helps from a storyline perspective, right? I mean, you don't really hear that many rags to riches stories in esports, and it's not because they don't exist. It's because people literally have not heard of some of these people until they win. And then they got to go Google frantically and figure out, well, who the heck are these people? Well, if you right. sign if you sign these players earlier and, and they can start to develop little fan bases, uh, then, you know, when they do have that big breakthrough, then you've got all these fans that were like they feel like they were part of that journey like i know buggas uh you know had a stream that was at least mildly popular when when he was uh, uh before he won and i'm sure every single one of those streamers all they do is talk about how i was there before he got big <laughs> right it makes their exactly and to your point it makes their their streaming community whether that's on twitch youtube or mixer that makes them feel cool you know like you're saying that oh you know i knew who he was before he got popular yeah. Um, and I mean, you see that in traditional sports, too, where like a kid, maybe a pro player went to university that was a smaller university. And then all those students were like, yeah, I saw him or her before they went big time because, you yeah. know, I got to see them perform. Um, and I just think that's that's super cool. I get excited talking about it because I think it provides what you're saying more of a storyline. Um, it's just a cool, cool opportunity. So it's a lot cheaper to get LeBron James on a sponsorship when he's <laughs> 13 years old than after he's won his first MVP. Exactly. So it's basic exactly. economics. Right. No, that's a great illustration. Exactly. So what does – and this is another place where I think it provides context to keep on this subject. What does having a platform like Geo provide for the parents who maybe don't understand the esports space that well yet because it is still early? Um what does having something like this that shows them that, that there are teams that could be interested in their child, their organizations, it's showing them stats, it's showing how their child might be ranking against other players. Why is it important for that aspect? So that's actually a great pivot because we've talked a little bit about the pros basically to this point. But um, where we've found a real sweet spot actually isn't the pros. It's in the collegiate level. And there's over... Uh, 200 schools now today that offer collegiate scholarships for esports, uh, and, and, and uh, literally, you get paid money to go play esports for these colleges, and they can't find players. They're having trouble finding players to get paid to play esports, and the only reason that that is is because you know players don't necessarily know how to take advantage of that, and so we do a lot to try to connect. Um, those who are, are interested in going to school with those scholarships. And we work directly with uh, the parents to help on that side too, because a parent can actually create a profile in Go and attach their child's account 
so that they can have basic monitoring of, of their stats and help be their agent for the colleges so that as scouts come along to, to start trying to recruit them, the parents can be involved in that process. Um, you know, the, the, the harsh reality of esports is the same harsh reality of any sport. 0.01% of players are ever going to touch any kind of pro stardom. Right. But colleges allow for at least 4 to 5% of players to at least take their competition to that level and get some form of monetary compensation for their skills. So even if you're, you're sitting there thinking, you know, I don't have what it takes to go pro, you probably have what it takes to go and get a college scholarship. Because I've seen gold and silver players in League of Legends, for example, get scholarships. Because they're, they're less focused on, is this the best player in the world? And they're more focused on, is this a great student candidate that also plays the game? So that's another big emphasis point for, for anybody listening that's thinking, you know, this is cool and all, but I know I'm not going to the pros. Well, if you want to go to college, pick that game back up because you can get $10,000 to over 150 schools, uh, and that's per year. You know, right. And that, that matters. I mean, that's somebody still paying off my student loans. Every exactly. little bit helps. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, it, it brings the student-athlete perspective that we see in traditional sports now to esports, yeah. which I think is incredible because it's just, you know, even just esports aside, it's an other opportunity for a student to, like you're saying, get part of their education paid, um, do something that they enjoy doing, continue to be allowed to, you know, to be able to compete because I have multiple friends, even myself that, you know, played high school sports and loved it and, and wish we could have done that at the college level. And so, like you're saying, if you're in esports and you're gaming and you enjoy it, you've got the passion for it and, you know, you think you've got a shot, it's it's an awesome opportunity that's now being presented. Um, and so, you know, again, a platform like y'all's, a platform like Play Versus, um, which, which let's actually pivot that way a little bit because I'd like to hear while we're on the subject, what do you think of, of play versus and, and its role in, in helping this, this cause? Well, I think that play versus is, is part of a, a group of companies that are all trying to captivate the, the high school market. And I think that that's an amazing thing. You know, this idea of esports um, is phenomenal because I think it gives a whole group of students who never had that sort of opportunity to be part of a team or an organization or or see the benefits of like sporting organizations, I think it gives them a real opportunity. Um, we even talk a lot with, with parents who their kids are on the spectrum um, and being able to play on an esports team helps them get some of the socialization that they desperately need. Right. Uh, and, and so you have this whole group of players that, you know, they, they love games, but they were never going to do you know, soccer or basketball or football. Now they've got a chance to earn that letter jacket. Um, and, and I think that's incredible. And I think that within the next five years, every high school in America is going to have some esports program at the very least at the club level. But yeah. most of them, I think, are going to be at the varsity level. And, uh, you know, play versus, you know, they're, they're doing a lot to, to generate the buzz in the industry. Um, I think they're doing some good things. I think that they also aren't necessarily approaching things in the right way sometimes. That's mm -hmm. just the way it works. Um, 
you know, there's other groups like HSEL that are doing great things. And we work with uh, some high schools that are choosing to stay independent entirely. So um, what, what Play Versus is doing is, is important for the industry. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out in the end. Yeah. yeah no, and I saw that I believe they have 68% of high schools either like registered or, or waitlisted, um, which I think, I think the number was there's 14,000 high school varsity football teams and 13,000 now esports high schools trying to get into it. So to give the listeners just a quick stat in comparison, if you haven't even heard of, of high school esports or what's happening in high school esports, there's just a quick perspective of, of where it is today. Um, and then you have things like the Collegiate Star League. And I know they have 55,000 college students, 1,800 universities. Um, that are entering esports, and so between you know all these different platforms, organizations, and then ones like yourself, it just is going to it's going to be interesting to see it all just play out. You know, start to begin to add structure, begin to add that pipeline. Um, for you guys, I'm curious. Do you think you focus more on the students that are in high school or for college? Is this for both, or or what does that demographic look like? Yeah, I think that we we are best when we're serving the the players in the middle, okay. not the ones that have already gone pro. You know, they don't really need us, right? They've they've already made it. Um, not the ones that are playing casually and have no real aspirations to play at a competitive level. I'm talking about you know your your players that are in those platinum diamond type tiers that love playing competitively, but they don't know how to take the next steps to to being more competitive you know that that's really our sweet spot is is those types of players Uh, and like i said you know uh, even if you're realistic about your own skills and and you say you know i'm never gonna be a pro at least take advantage to join a high school team because it's great fun like you know it's a it's a great source of pride it's it's something to do on a on a weekday or a weekend so um we we're we're more interested in in helping players have really awesome experiences in esports um, than we are in in guaranteeing that they're going to go pro, for example. And we can't guarantee that, obviously. But we right. want to make sure that you you have a lot of fun on your journey, taking yourself as far as you can. Yeah, or at least give them a seat at the table, you know, and and see yeah. what happens from there. A lot of times, um, that's all players want. They just want a chance. Yeah. And right now, the the current ecosystem doesn't feel like it gives players a chance. Right. I agree. And so let's let's pivot back to the combine a bit. I want to chat a bit more about that because I think that this, like we were just saying, is an opportunity where it gives players at least a chance. So you mentioned that one will take place in New Orleans. Right. Is that the only one coming up in the near future or do you have other ones planned yeah, so we've got another one planned for the fall where we're still figuring uh, some final details. So I can't quite talk about the exact specifications on it. But okay. our goal is to have two physical combine events uh, where we invite players to come out and learn about the esports pipeline, learn how they can you know, participate in that, and then just have the opportunity to test their skills and get interviews with some of the pro teams out there. Okay. So is there an educational aspect to it then too, for when they get out there to maybe even just learn about, learn more about the industry and how things work? Absolutely. We want to have great panel content, great speakers, uh, workshops. We want, even if you're a, a semi pro player, 
you know, we'd love for you to come out and learn more about player contracts, for example, or just how to conduct yourself as a professional. Um, you know, even even some some workshops on streaming and, and how to maximize your stream um, and, and things like that. So we're looking to not just develop you know good players. We're we're hoping to develop good people. Right. That's amazing. And so, so the players will be attending these these events or have the opportunity to possibly attend these events. Do scouts for teams, will they physically, will there be some that are physically present there or is this something that goes on later in the process or, or what does that look like? Yeah, we, we're going to have a bunch of them there because part of the process is to actually have them interview some players that they're interested in, in learning more about. Okay. So a, a combine participant is going to have a time slot where they're registered to actually take the the physical tests. And then they're also going to have time slots where they're going to be uh, doing interviews with uh, scouts, recruiters, teams, the whole nine yards. So when you go there, your, your whole experience as a player isn't just to play. It's to have as many networking interactions as you can um, to, to help lift your profile in the esports space. Right. So, so an action packed event for, for any players or teams that, that are interested and want to attend. And so for the players have in the past, have there been scholarships that have been provided and and this might not be specific to the combine, but you guys, I believe have had the opportunity to give out scholarships to players already, correct? Well, we didn't give them, we, we had them get discovered. Right. Okay. So, so, yeah, we had 120 players that just by participating in our combine, they received direct messages from the schools saying, hey, we want to recruit you. Let's talk. Um, and we've we've actually confirmed that several of them are actually going to school. Some of them are going back to school. Uh, some of them are prepping to go to school, including one kid that got a full ride offer for Rocket League. That's that's crazy. So he got a full ride, which is yeah. Crazy, and, and maybe for the listeners, what does a typical esports scholarship look like right now? I know that one is is a full ride, but that's pretty rare in, in the yeah. current state that we're in right now, correct? Yeah, it, the full rides are still pretty rare. I think the average award is between five and ten thousand dollars a year. Um, so again, it's it's not insignificant, uh, but they definitely range. I mean, some schools I've seen as low as as a thousand dollars a year, um, but uh, the as that gets more competitive, you're going to see those numbers go up further and further as schools try to differentiate themselves. Right, right. And do the, and I'm interested because I don't think we've touched on this, for the schools, how do they get involved? Is there a way for them to watch what's happening in the comments or watch what's happening on GEO or how do they get involved with the players? Yeah, we send the scouting reports directly to them after the combine. So. Okay. We, we, you know, we, we take this big group of players and we say, here you go. Here's all the players that said they were interested in receiving scholarships. And here's their in-game ranks and here's their performances uh, during the combine. So have at it. And, and we make this widely available to, uh, to any schools and teams that want the data. Um, so, you know, the, the players get the maximum exposure possible. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so th- there's a lot going on. Obviously, these events, there's a lot going on on the Geo score. Um, and so, Sean, I'll just share with you this is kind of a thought that I've had lately in my mind, because like I said, I watch a lot of what happens on Instagram. That's where I have my biggest presence personally with everything at Lodges. And so something that I see on in 
the Instagram space and then the Twitter space is you have a lot of these quote unquote esports organizations or teams that um, which are basically essentially just whoever it may be just trying to start an organization, trying to start a team. And, you know, there's thousands of them, right? You, you can find them everywhere on Instagram and Twitter. Right. And so something that I've thought on and I just want to hear what your take might be on this is that for these gamers and for these kids that are trying to pursue a professional career in this, why I personally think it's obviously so much more important now with some of these pipelines that are being created, with some of these opportunities being created to maybe take a step back and think, okay, is this team that I'm potentially trying to play for that's just an Instagram team and I'm putting all this time and energy into, is it smarter to now invest this time in my high school? Is it smarter to invest my time in platforms like this? Um, you, you know, cause I want to provide uh, value to, to younger listeners that might be listening. You know, what is something they should consider when deciding, you know, where should they put their time forth when pursuing a career in esports? The The biggest factor that can really make you stand out in the crowd is is uh, data context. So, for example, uh, I take you and I take your profile and I download all the Overwatch games you've ever played. Let's say that you've got 1,000 matches. So okay. I then calculate your skill and your skill is like this soup of all the choices you've made while playing Overwatch, including all those times that you were just messing around with Torbjorn. All those times that you were trying new characters. It includes the matches where it was your first 20 attempts with Doomfist, so you didn't do very good. All that goes into your data skill soup right now. And so whenever I present Juan's score, that score is actually lower typically than it would be if I just found the matches where you were dialed in, where you were trying. That's what I say by context. So Mm -hmm. whether you play for a high school or a college or even one of the little teams, the little teams can be great. As long as you're keeping track of the outcomes of those matches, because then you can compile them together, send them to a scout and say, forget about my ELO ranking because my ELO doesn't represent who I am. Who I am is represented by what I do when I'm dialed in. So when I'm dialed in, I'm a mercy main. And if you look at my stats, if, if you look at just my mercy scores, then I would be a 4,500 player. But because I play all these other characters and roles, you know, I'm down at like a 3,950. So adding context to your data so that the scouts don't have to try to figure out who you are is, is the most important thing. So play for your high school, play for your college, play for an independent team but keep track of your successes and keep track of your gameplay. And that's part of what we're doing with Gil. Uh, we automate that process. So if you play for a team that is signed up in our system, and it's free for teams to register, by the way, so they don't have to, there's not like a, a price point that locks people out. But if you play for a team that's registered, then we can associate your specific data from when you played with that team so that whenever we present your scores to scouts, We've got one score, which is your Gyo overall score. This is everything you do. But then we've got your Gyo Pro Scout score. And this is the score that only represents the games where you tried. And that score, 99% of the time, is higher than your general score. Right, right. 
So, so basically you're saying as long for, for those players that are trying to decide on, on what path to take, as long as, and, you know, we're going to use geo, say you're using geo to track everything you're doing. Um, then for a professional aspect, it, it really doesn't matter which path you pick as long as you've got context to provide to scouts and to those that would be interested in you. Yeah. As long as you're, you're having real matches and you're not just, you know, randomly teaming up with buddies. Scouts want to see what you do when you've got a serious team, you're seriously communicating and you're seriously competing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Which, which I think is true to all sports. And so, you know, for our, for our listeners, for our players, there are so many opportunities now. Definitely go look at GeoScore and you can see everything that, that Sean and I were talking about. And we'll share where to find that at, at the end of this episode. But there are lots of, of things you can use both in your high school to, through the college level, through scouting. There's resources out there um, for any young players that that really do think they're good and have a passion for it and, and want to possibly see if they they have a shot at pursuing it for a professional career. Um, is there anything else, Sean, you wanted to add that, that we haven't touched on yet that, that you think is important? Um. You know, I, I could talk forever on this subject. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about it. Um, and and at the end of the day, uh, I, I'm just really hopeful. And, and I do believe that we are going to get there, that that we really start looking at, at how we develop out this player farm system for, for esports in a broad sense. It's going to help esports from top to bottom. Because, you know, one of the things that happens if is the further you take yourself down that pre- professional career, the more likely you are to be a fan after you're done, you know, right. you, you can then relate to those players that are, that are playing the game. So you feel more of an attachment and a bond to them. Uh, than if you just play in, in solo casual queue all the time. Um, so uh, allowing for players to feel like they're part of the process, um, and, and getting them the opportunity to take their skills as far as they can, it's just going to make e- esports a, a better ecosystem around the uh, the world. Right. No, I, I completely. That's an interesting and important point because if if you look at anyone that even just played high school sports or only made it to the college level, didn't pay pro, the fact that they were able to even just participate and have that experience then translate to the rest of your life, and then you always feel that bond and attachment to it. So I think to your point you know, definitely get involved as much as possible and just participate as much as possible, even if it doesn't end up in a pro career, because then that's something that you can enjoy for, for the rest of your life. And as esports continues to go on. Oh, and uh, one other thing, too, if you if your high school or your college does not have a program, push for it, ask for it, bug them. I guarantee you they've all heard of it. A lot of them don't understand it. They're trying to figure it out. And if you become the voice that pushes them, you could be the one that ends up starting that program. Um, I, uh, I just talked to a school two days ago, and they said they sent out a student survey for interest, and they had 400 responses. That was more responses than they got wow. from football. Wow. So for the schools that don't have it yet, don't be afraid to be the catalyst. You can be the one that, that says, why don't you guys put out a survey? And when they do... They're going to see tremendous results, and then suddenly, next thing you know, you're the uh, the captain of the first high school uh, esports team. <laughs> yeah, and what a story that would be! And there's a lot of publication around high schools that are starting teams, so you never know what kind of exposure that might lead to. Yeah. So 
And how would what do you think is the best way maybe for for a high school student listening? What do you think is the best way to go about that to go to to go to schools counselors to go to principals or how do you think they should appropriately approach that? Yeah, I think all of the above. I mean, really, if, if you've got uh, somebody in the school that uh, is an available athletic director um, or even a club coordinator, um, sometimes if you go down the athletic route, you'll you'll get some roadblocks from guys that, you know, puff out their chest and say they're not on a field, so it's not a sport. Uh, right. <laughs> but uh, I guarantee you that uh, that that principals are, are taking a look at this and. If they start asking why, show them the data that says you're going to get a college scholarship if you do this. You know, right. We 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 knew uh, we knew ten kids that came out of uh, Noblesville High School that all got scholarship offers just from their League of Legends club. So uh, high schools definitely want to to create opportunities for kids to go to college, and this is a big one. Yeah. Yeah, no, just be for any high school players. Just be courageous. If you if you think that you might get shot down, just just go for it. Because I think like Sean is saying, there's definitely a lot of noise, and I'm sure like you're saying, a lot of schools are just even now thinking about it because they're definitely reading it and they're definitely seeing it. So it, it might just take one student to push it a little bit further, and the next thing you know, uh, your high school could have an esports team. So yep. squeaky yeah. wheel gets the grease. So squeaky <laughs> wheel. Yeah, no, well, well, I think this has been super informative and I hope for, for any listeners, especially for our young listeners, that they just um, have learned a little bit more about the opportunities that are out there and how they can possibly play a role in it and, and pursue this. So, okay, Sean, while, while we start to just wind down the podcast episode, I always end the episode with guests with something I call the Lodges Light 7. So these are just seven easy, fun questions to, to end the episode and for our listeners to learn a little bit maybe personally about you. Um, so the first one we have is if you are about to take a flight, what snack do you grab before boarding? Uh, you know, I'm not a big snacker, but I'm, I'm addicted to Coca-Cola. So I okay. drink my calories. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. If you could be the host of any TV show, which would you choose? Uh, you remember the Nickelodeon show Guts with the aggro crag? I don't think so. I don't think I've ever watched that. Man, I just, I keep dating myself here. (laughs) Trust me, look up, look up some YouTube clips. It's awesome. Okay. Okay. No, I mean, maybe I just haven't heard of it. Um, if you could pick anybody to hang out with for one day, who would you choose? Uh, I'd probably hang out with Miyamoto. I think he'd be pretty cool. Okay. And then covering this one's always interesting. Covering any sport, so esports included, who would be your Mount Rushmore of just greatest of all time, or do you think is the greatest? Oh, in the esports space? Esports or traditional sports, however, however you'd like to pick. Well, I'll tell you that uh, my heart goes to uh, David Justice with the Atlanta Braves, uh, but uh, in the esports space, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'll probably snipe down. Um, just because he's uh, he's a local Indiana guy, and he's he was so good for so long that uh, he'd he'd be really cool to hang out with. Okay. okay. And then, are you a cat or dog person? Uh, I am an adopted cat person. I never actually seek out cats, but they always somehow end up in my home. So <laughs> I've got three cats. <laughs> so you're the you're the first one. All the other three guests, you finally broke it. We're all dogs. I was waiting for someone. I have a cat. So 
I was I was waiting for someone to pick cat. Yeah. Um okay, two more two more to go. This one's a little bit deeper and the last one's easier. So if you could ask God one question, what would it be? Uh why you gotta make it so hard, man? <laughs> you just okay. snap you just snap your fingers and uh, everything's uh, a cakewalk, you know? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, and then the last one is if you could be the star of any movie, so if you could be the character in the movie, what movie would you pick? And who is the actor? Ooh, like the star. You said that this one was going to be the easy one. You lied. <laughs> um. Oh, I, I kind of would probably like like a goofy movie like Princess Bride. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think it's pretty hard to beat Carrie Yules though. So if, if I was that character, yeah, I'd, I'd let him still represent me. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. There you go. Um, so that is the Lodge Light Seven with Sean. Just so that our listeners can learn a bit more about you. So Sean, thank you again uh, for coming on here and, and spreading your knowledge and, and everything that you know within the space and what you guys are doing at Gio to provide, you know, a pipeline to provide that structure and opportunities for players. Um, where is it that everyone can find you on social media? So I am on social media. I'm on Twitter at uh, Frack and Noob. Uh, I don't use it as much as I should, so I'll probably get started on that sooner than later. Uh, but our website is uh, Gio.gg, and uh, we have our official Twitter and Facebook and Instagram all at uh, GyoScore, G-Y-O-S-C-O-R-E. Okay. And you're on LinkedIn too as well. Yes, right. I'm on LinkedIn, Sean Smith, S-H-A-W-N. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Sean, thank you again to all our listeners. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this and took away something from it. We'll catch you next time on the Lodges podcast. What's up, guys? Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this. You can find us on social media at Lodges underscore financial. Please go check out our social pages where you can find lots of other great content committed to gaming and esports. This is also the best place to be kept up to date with everything going on at Lodges. Thanks, and you were just listening to The Lodges Podcast.